0: No more to serve a goato or a hato, Those questions that uh, often come up in retreats, particularly the end of a retreat, we just finishing the end of a short retreat here. Is you know how do you you do this kind of very meditation sitting in silence and kind of quiet and people not talking and bells ringing and sitting there for hours and how do you can how do you integrate that into daily life when your kind of stuffs coming from all different directions and. uh it's kind of multi dimensional things aren 't kind of neatly happening one moment at a time it 's suddenly all kind of tolerance of things and uh, random things happening and things going wrong and you know, uh, how could you be how can you be mindful? How can you practice like that in that situation How do you integrate into daily life? The question is kind of uh, by itself is a little bit uh, wrong view, really, because actually, really the question is how do you integrate this into daily death? Then <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah, yeah it's. Uh, Every moment something is passing away, every moment something is coming to being, something that's bound to break up. Even birth, in a way, is death. It's the beginning of something that can only, must, must end. Come to the ending. Yeah. Every uh, meeting is the beginning of the next... Departure, isn't it? You know, we're born into a realm. The only one of the things that we are certain about on this conditioned, you know, manifest plane is that absolute, rock solid certain is that we're going to die. It's more certain that we'll die than that we'll be born. You know, sometimes people, you know, don't necessarily birth isn't isn't always guaranteed, but death is. So when you kind of start to consider it like that, and see your thoughts kind of falling away, and the expectations we have not quite making it, and the yeah, and all the time it's incredible push to solidify and and steady, and you know, which of course is part of the paradox in a way. You you start to when you meditate, you do this practice of steadying and building up, yeah. You know building up one set of things, you know, mindfulness and breathing in and out and calm and gentleness and so forth, building up in order to let go of others, to see just how ephemeral that tissue of one's apparent life is. You see it kind of just bubbling up the issues and the thoughts and the scenarios and the past and the future and the hopes of what one should be, and one's opinions about Dhamma, and it's about people, it's just kind of bleh. You know, the things we can really want to find ground in, and it's all just ever-changing. ever, ever changing. And something else really wants to find something to get stuck into and hold on to. You know, so you can find yourself meditation, just hours, just building up a plan of what you're going to do in the next... Week or the next day or the next month, or the thing you're going to buy, you're a lay person, or a, the meal you're going to eat. I remember when we, I was on pilgrimage with Nick Scott in India, you know, six, six months, pretty rough times trying to live on alms food in India. And he said he spent a huge amount of the time just fantasizing. But he figured out that on the plane back from India to Heathrow, we'd be flying in such a way that the time of eating between dawn and noon would be really long. Because we are flying into the, into the sun. We are flying into the day. You know. So he thought, wow, on the plane right back from India I can eat for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> He was fantasising about this airline meal for six months. <laughs> 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 so it helped you know, just building up this kind of sense of what could be. And of course, you know, he got on this airplane and uh, and they, they gave the their early hostess came round and gave him some food and all that. He asked for second help and she gave him that ear yeah, all that. <laughs> And then he started noticing people were leaving their food, so he went around eating other people's leftovers. <laughs> and then he started asking for bags of crisps and things like that, he odd snacks. And this poor airline host of, you know, little Indian woman with this great kind of red-bearded guy looming over <laughs> food. <laughs> he gets <ate> so much. <laughs> <laughs> He's kind of so stuffed, sick, you know. But you can see how the, you know, this is a simple example, just how even you get it isn't what, really what you wanted. It was the sense of there being something you could get hold of. And sometimes, you know, we build up nightmares, you know, dread and fear. Mm-hmm. so you know it's that sense of because without, without that sense of something solid you know we start to feel that the really, really what kind of death is about is a sense of not, not having that ground that future having no future having no result having no prize having no home having no you know, thing that we got out of it yeah. Yeah. So all of our life is about doing that, isn't it? A lot of the time? And yet you see where does it go, just busyness and accumulations and disappointments and the next thing, and you know the whole life building up, and then one day, bump, you know, heart attack, or you've got some kind of this lingering disease that wipes you out or the economy crashes, or something like that. So it's really everyday death we have to to integrate with. And meditation fits that very well. Because uh, it is a sense of really with right view. You see the inconstancy, the breaking up, the impermanence of everything. You can think, see, touch, taste and you start to see this kind of dreadful or this terrific craving for solidity and selfhood and permanence and things to be right and you can see the effect it has know, one's life becomes contracted heart becomes tight there's no no joy in it there's no leap left there's no spring it's all just kind of management managing the disaster So it's also we start to, you know. To Tenutro essentially this morning, what it was like in 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 Japan, you know, you know. There's earthquakes, and the buildings are built to just sway with the earthquake. So when the when it's, there's big earthquakes in Tokyo or whatever, the whole building just swings over the over the street, you know, like a banana, waving around. And, you know, people would not use it completely panic, because you know, where's the solid ground in an earthquake? You want to run away but there's nowhere to run to. <laughs> you can't run into the sky. <laughs> so you're on this ground which is throwing itself up and down. You know, the, the very structures that you build. And he said, well, you know, actually the people who live there just get, just basically notice the building swaying and Wedge a door open so if the building twists, you can still open the door. Get back to work. <laughs> just let it, let it do its thing. You know, when the earth is swaying, what do you do? You find your own centre in it. You, let it, you let it. you let it sway, you let it rock around. You don't try and hold it down. And you can see how actually st- things like trees, you know, you know have a, that sense of being able to just bend and be blown it actually makes them a lot more uh, strong than things that are are brittle. You know, if you have a building that can't sway in an earthquake, it just falls apart. You build them so they can actually bend and flex. And then, you know, that's what you can do. You learn how to bend and flex. And we're living, you know, what we're living in, actually is, our life is like an earthquake. You know, things are continually heaving up. And you know, never really stable, never really static, never really settled. And you know, we cr- complain like crazy but it's not settled enough yet. It's you know, when I started come you know, building being in these monasteries, building them over thirty odd years, you always get this feeling of you know, you start the place, it's really rough, dilapidated, grubby, cold. And one day it will be all boom settled, and that would be it when we get down to the real practice. <laughs> you know, of course, the things change from the kind of, you know, physical grubbiness to management crisis to you know financial dilemmas to you know these things and the other. But basically, it's just the same earthquake, the same rolling, you know, of it all. Is learn to kind of die into it. That's what you learn. You learn a thing that you can't learn. You have to have it kind of you have to have certain things shaken out, really. This holding, this contraction, this fearfulness, this you know, need for security. Yeah. And yeah, you know, that's one side of it. The other side of it is you have a strong security, which is the ethics, ethical sense, conscience, breathing in, breathing out. Yeah, Nothing can take need take that away from you. Hmm? And same with that. rest of it, that's the fly around. The Buddha said, you know, all is burning. The eye, the ear, the nose, the tongue, the body and the mind are all on fire. Where you going to go? Where's the cool place? Yeah? Where? Where's the you know? The ear, the eye, the nose, the tongue, the body, and the mind are burning. So where's the cool place? Nibbana, the cool place. Where's that? Mm-hmm. Says so you know, it's just like the less you, the more you eventually you get this sense of real giving up about it all mind objects mind states even the bright ones you just you feel that kind of way well, you want to bed down into it so what we're you know really aiming for is not so much a state Nibbana is not a state as as a view not so much a state but as a view a view that thoughts, feelings, energies sensations perceptions, impressions all that consciousness, every state of consciousness is not is not worth found establishing oneself upon. It's uh changeable, inconstant. And also you don't need to. That's the bit that's the tricky bit. You know, because uh it's only when you know, sometimes when you actually get thrown out of control. That you begin to sense something, you don't. Something doesn't break. Something doesn't fall. As long as you stay within that, you know. You don't get it, but it's often that either you, you find a way of leaping, or sometimes it's getting thrown, you know, out of out of the holding. That's why what renunciation and going forth is about. Going forth. Uh, you know the, the, the lifestyle the Buddha took up, and after he was enlightened, he, he continued with it. He didn't sort of, you know, set up a some fifty million pound meditation centre with air conditioning so that people could practice in peace. <laughs> you know, he just kind of kept it and encouraged other people to do the same sort of thing, just to go into insecurity. So this, because in a way. You know, meditation doesn't sit in a vacuum. It sits inside a larger reference, you know, and the internal reference is conscience and concern, ethical sense, mindfulness, you know. The external reference is insecurity. One of the most powerful things that people resist That nerve ending. Very difficult for any sentient creature to really come up against insecurity. You know, for other, most animals it's just basically whether they're going to get eaten or not, get food or not. For us, it's very complex. You know, psychological insecurity. The need to, you know, because we have these tremendous minds that generate futures, uh, past, present, other people oneself, oneself- one's self image you know what will I be like, is this going to work for me, am I okay you know, I make a fool of myself and, you know, really mess up with it end up just some old bum, you know, chucked out <coughs> close the monasteries down to, you know 50, 60 years old, they just chuck you out Sorry, you know, no, no funds anymore. Yeah. But then you, you go into that because of that. You actually want to have that feeling of it because it sharpens, it, it invigorates, gives you a certain carefree quality, a certain what the hell about to it. It's that throwaway quality. So you know the would uh this talk this qualities of, of uh as you develop insight on a kind of more you know internal level uh, sense of detachment or withdrawal you'd be stepping back from engagement dispassion letting things seeing the the fading the the un- inconstant nature of things you become less you know psyched up about it all, mind going crazy. Um, Cessation, something can stop. The most important things to stop are these uh, tremendous energies we have to fear and, and desperation, trying to hold it all together, aversion to oneself, you know, these things that you can feel, these kind of contractions in the heart. You, don't want to, you know, what? Hmm? Doubt, worry. It has various names and forms. But it always feels like something like this holding, clinging, holding oneself, being held. Whatever the mind state is, we feel somehow held by it. Ripped by it, yeah. yeah. So you want to be held by a nice one, not an ugly one. You know, and you're just kind of swapping one one, one uh, controller for another one. So as long as we feel we have to have, you know, a pleasant, happy mind states, and some. Imperative, otherwise things are going wrong. You know, where does that leave you? <laughs> Don't you see them as they are. Clinging and reaching out—it's a life of, uh, you know, with this life. If you—if you've got to succeed with it, if you've got to succeed in the practice. Then, best not start, really. <laughs> you've got to be guaranteed, you know. Best not start. Don't bother. Yeah, this is uh, get caught in that one, make your life miserable. Like the first thing you, uh, you learn, if you're in any kind of uh, real skill, there's art, painting, any real craft or skills, you learn how to make a mistake. you Learn how to not care about it. If you're an acrobat, you learn first thing you learn is how to fall. Yeah. You know, paint, the first thing you know is how to kind of just, just let your hands scroll over it without making, you know, perfect old master, fantastic reproduction, just scroll. That's the first thing you learn, just loosen up. You know, it's that particular kind of view behind it all. What are we trying to do? but learning how to die. Because then if you learn it right, then the heart is freed from death and from birth. And actually, though most of us fear, death, birth is the thing you should really fear. If you want to be free from death, but learn to be free from birth. <laughs> then the rest of it takes care of itself mm-hmm. birth into this into that to being one of these one of those and you know so along with the the paradoxes along with that's that's the view you know why sometimes the Buddha's teaching can seem pretty stark and bleak. He doesn't pull his punches. And yet there's also paradoxically the sense of, yeah, well, take care. You know, really be be careful. Be, be aware, develop, build up. Build up and throw away. Build up and throw away. So you just keep building up and, and skimming off the holding. Yeah? And it, you know, you know. So you do like every moment you just burn out, you just let it you bring yourself into fullness with it and let it go, and yet you keep- you keep breathing in the next breath, let it go, breathing and let it go it doesn't have to be the best breathe it in breathe it out because life is that it is in breath out breath we don't just breathe out or breathe in, you learn breathing in and then. Breathing out, and that's how you practice. You practice like that: just bringing it up, pulling it together, letting it go, pulling it together, letting it go, till you're not caught in that cycle. You've, you you see every beginning is the sa- is is the ending of something else. You know, it's just that. I mean, that's why the realization of the stream entry is everything that's arising is ceasing. It's the same characteristic. Yeah, it's just like you know watching the waves of the sea, just as as they're even as they're everything arising is the ceasing of something. It's kind of continually in flow. So you practice like that. You don't hang on to the last moment. Don't predict the next moment. Let it be very edge. Yeah. And that's that's uh, then there's no no nothing to retain. You know, so when we live our lives, it's like you know you walk out there that you just don't know. But we're build, building up the, both the the groundedness, the inner centre, the strengthening, the sense of witnessing, the sense of non-involvement, the sense of being able to bear with, be with <coughs> conditions as they come and go, and you take it out on the street and see what happens to it. Learn how to roll, learn how to start again. It's a life of that, you know? so I find that when i you know I was practicing I just get quite whingy <laughs> you know not enough of the there's the, you know, kind of moaning and whinging in my mind, and uh you know, fed up, bored, fed up, bored, same old thing every day, same old talks, same old teachings, same old stuff, same old people, same old porridge every day, fed up, bored. (laughs) You know, it's so grey and bleak, and everybody's walking around looking so grey and bleak, and the porridge is grey and bleak, (laughs) and I'm grey and bleak. I wake up every morning, grey and bleak. I want to live. <laughs> I to wake up and listen to this thing just going off in my brain. The first moment I wake up, negativity. Yeah. Yeah. I found the most interesting, just actually, instead of trying to kind of calm it down, or sort of, well, look on the bright side. <laughs> I just... Uh, just get up straight up, walk into a cold shower, you know, watch my mind explode. you know <laughs> Well what happened to all that, you know what happened to that? Well, I don't think this is very interesting I <laughs> you know you just develop your own your own viria, your own I- energy on that. It's quite interesting. that's what the kind of um, way of, of, of practice has these kind of bits where you deliberately you know take a chance step over the edge push yourself you know things like that it's not going to kill you just kills the mind that's all <laughs> and then you find something else there's something outside of that the spirit you know, you know so it's a real laughter and spirit in life. This life is a life uh, of you know, the the Tudong, you know, wandering. and um, used to, I mean, when we had this Thai master, Ajahn Jan, who was a disciple of Ajahn Chahs, so he said the Tudong, you know, the, when they started two the Tudong, you just didn't, there was no maps. There's no, you know, you just basically walk into the jungle and they didn't even have a flashlight. You just walk, walk into the jungle, just chanting the Sutra. <laughs> that, that was that was it. That was your map. <laughs> uh, just keep going, you know, and be lucky that you don't get eaten by a cobra or a python <coughs> or, or a pit or something. And you can actually sense when you do that there's a real, something big comes up in you, a real sense of, of, uh, wow, you know, something bigger than my mind happens. I was on, uh, too long in Thailand years ago, and and uh, one of the things I've probably had several interesting experiences where the mind just kind of basically blew up. You know, one was nearly getting eaten by a tiger. One of us was just walking along, and my feet were so blistered, every toe was bandaged up, so that the foot was you know huge because it was just so stuffed with bandages. Well, the toes were all blistered and walking along this, through this forest path, kind of, you Oh, why did we have to walk so far? Well, my feet hurt. You know, you know, the monk I was with, Anjigweciko, he didn't have any blisters on his feet. He knew where he was going. He was, so he was fine. The Thai novice, he was fine. They're walking along, striding along, and I'm kind of hobbling along with my blistered feet, getting further and further behind. I think, oh, I go walk so fast? Why are they waiting for me? <laughs> and then I kind of went around, uh, sort of walked around a corner in this path and there's stands of bamboo, struggles with this bamboo. And I, I couldn't see them anymore. I, looked, I looked, walked up the path, couldn't see them. This way, that way. And they weren't anywhere. I, I realised, hey... Here I am, I don't know where I am, somewhere in a jungle in Thailand, (laughs) with blistered feet and an arms (laughs) pole. I don't know where I was going, anything. I just felt so joyful. (laughs) A feeling of, you know, there's no way you could figure, know what to do, know where to go. I felt this kind of relief. I'm having to you know my mind stopped complaining. I thought, well, here I am. Yeah, I've got this moment. Yep. Yes. This looks, just walk this way. Why not? It's as good as anywhere. <laughs> so I just wandered off and uh, slipped over the edge of a of a cliff somewhere, right? I you know, managed to hang onto some roots on the way down and pull myself up. That was fun too. <laughs> I forgot about my blistered feet then. <laughs> and I dragged myself up and go to the top of this um, dry um, cliff area, walking along. Them. along them, and I saw them way off in the distance these little huts. Oh, oh. huts. Humans. I'll go that way. You know Ended up walked into this monastery, you know, it was a little forest monastery. Walked into this place, kind of sort of covered in blood and dirt, and here I am. (laughs) And of course, there's monks. About six monks there. They didn't speak any English. I didn't speak any Thai. We were kind of jabbering away at each other for a while. This is fine too, you know. It's because I can't do anything about this. there's absolutely nothing I can do about it. I can't look good, I can't communicate, I can't explain what I'm doing. Just give up, you know and uh so there I was, and about interesting enough, about an hour or two later, Adrian Guesico, who'd been looking for me all over this mountain, turned up, <laughs> so I'd actually got there before him. <laughs> Feet and all <laughs> so sometimes that's the quickest way to go is get lost you know just follow your nose uh, but that isn't really the point the point is just that sense of the, the, the joy, the freedom from the known freedom from certainty which isn't there anyway freedom from the myth of certainty and getting it right and having it worked out, getting to the place you want to go to. That's the freedom of uh, going forth. That's the freedom of the mind blowing out. And that's how you cultivate. That's what you bear in mind, the Buddha said, you bear in mind nibbana a thought of nibbana like an assassin <laughs> it's Something just every time you, you want to build something but you just blow it out blow it out blow it out mm. and then there's, yeah, there's nothing to uh to lose it sounds crazy, but there is a relief, a release from the conditioned, from the compounded, from the constructed, from the fabricated, from the need to fabricate, from the need to keep it all. There is a relief, a release from that. This is, yeah, you know, that's our faith, our efforts towards that. Uh, Strengthening ourselves to prepare for the leap and don't miss the opportunity to leap.